You're listening to A Slice of Therapy with me, Alan Parry. Now, some of you might remember a TV show that was big here in the UK and also in America called Candid Camera. And it was the TV show that kind of started off the kind of craze of various reality prank shows where there'd be certain pranks done on members of the public and the enjoyment of the show was kind of watching how they would react to it. And it was actually started by the guy in America who was doing the American Candid Camera and his name was Alan Funt. And it was him that started it and it eventually came over here to the UK as well. And so there'd be some sort of stunt, some prank, some joke played on an unsuspecting member of the public. And then finally the prank would be revealed and they'd be invited to smile. You're on candid camera. And the guy, Alan Funt, who invented the format and was very famous in America because he was also the guy in front of the camera that, you know, was the face of the show. I remember a story about him where he goes on holiday, been working very hard on the show, and him and his wife decided that they were going to go on holiday. And so they took a, a flight from the USA and they were going to their destination. I think it was an internal destination. And during the course of this flight... There were two Cuban guys on the airplane and they hijacked the plane and they demanded, they went into the cockpit and they demanded that the pilot take them to Havana in Cuba. And apparently there was quite a lot of these kind of hijackings. They were happening fairly regularly where people were demanding that the plane be taken to Cuba Obviously, you know, if you're on a plane and it's getting hijacked, it's quite a stressful situation. Now, this plane was getting hijacked for real. And initially, everyone was very frightened. And yet those kind of sounds of fear and upset were replaced by sounds of laughter, which started to ripple through the plane. Now, this might sound odd, that people are laughing really quite hard in the midst of a hijacking. But the reason why they were laughing is because somebody on the plane, one of the passengers, spotted the presence of Alan Funt. So there they are, mid-air, being hijacked, genuinely hijacked, by these two Cuban hijackers. And one of the passengers spots Alan Funt the front man of Candid Camera, the famous TV prank show. And of course, they see two plus two and they get five. And so they point out Alan Funt and they start to laugh and they think, ah, it's a wind-up. It's a prank. It's not a real hijacking at all. And so the word spreads and they all sort of spot Alan Funt's very famous guy. And so they're all starting to laugh. And soon... The whole plane has erupted in absolute laughter. Of course, the hijackers were very confused. They'd not hijacked a plane that was quite so supportive before. But the passengers were having a lovely time. Here they were, in the midst of a candid camera prank, or so they thought. And better still, they'd unmasked it. They'd revealed it. They'd 
They'd exposed the fact that, that this is what it was. They'd, they were not only on Candid Camera, they'd beaten Candid Camera. Of course, Alan Funt knew the truth. He knew that this had nothing to do with Candid Camera. He just happened by coincidence to be on the plane. So he's a little bit more stressed than everybody else. Everyone else is having a great old time as they're getting hijacked. And in fact, Alan Funt was so stressed that he spots a priest. And he approaches the priest because he's worried about everybody. And he, he says to the priest, you know, you have to believe me, Father. He says, uh, this is actually nothing to do with candid camera. I just happen to be on the plane. And the priest says, ah, come on now, Alan Funt. You're not going to fool me like that. <laughs> and so even the priest doesn't believe Alan Funt and thinks that this is a candid camera setup. And so when the hijackers emerge again from the cockpit, they're roundly cheered by all the passengers that they were hijacking. And so they were very, very puzzled. And eventually, it lands safely in Havana. There's a few, delay, there's a few days of delay as the negotiations happen and everything, and then it goes safely home. So as hijackings go, a really good outcome. And not just a good outcome, but a good experience for everyone who was on board. They had a lovely time, didn't they? And when I think of that story, what it makes me think of is something that often crosses my mind. And that is the, the way we'll often benchmark a belief system based on whether it is true or not. We'll often judge a belief system based on whether it's true. And there's some people who go through the world with a very kind of rosy approach to things. They just think that everything's going to work out fine. And it's tempting sometimes to get into a discussion about that, get into a debate about it. But it's not necessarily going to work out fine, people say. And yet it doesn't really matter, does it, whether their belief system is true or not. What's really important is that they find it helpful. Now, in terms of the experience of that plane journey that ended up unexpectedly in Havana, in Cuba, I wonder whether the experience of the passengers on board that flight would have been a better one had they have realised the truth. I wonder whether the truth would have actually been a more helpful belief to have. You see, they would believe in something other than the truth, and yet it turned out a lot more resourceful in this particular situation. It was actually better and more enjoyable for them to believe that they were on a plane that was actually the focus of a candid camera sketch. It would have been far less helpful and far less enjoyable to actually realise the truth of the matter was that they really were being hijacked. That would have been very scary. You know, there's a guy I know, and whenever he drives his car and he ends up in a traffic jam, he has a very different experience to most people. Because when most people end up in a traffic jam, invariably they think of the other route that they could have taken and they think, oh, God, I'm stuck in this traffic jam. I'm trapped here now. And if only I'd gone on that other route, I'd already be at my destination. And of course, that might be true. 
It's not particularly helpful, though, when you're stuck in a traffic jam because it raises your blood pressure. You get even more irate with the situation. And what this guy always thinks is, I might be in this traffic jam, but the other route that I could have taken, well, that's far worse than this. And that's his go-to belief. So whenever he's trapped in that situation, he just assumes that the other route is three times worse than the traffic jam that he's in. And he finds that quite a useful belief and he feels quite happy about it. In many ways, he's like the passengers who are on that plane that was being hijacked. They decided to take a resourceful belief and think, this is just a comedy sketch, it's not real, everything's okay. And they enjoyed the process. And so, to summarise, what this story tells us of Alan Funt and his fellow passengers being hijacked is that actually it can be helpful sometimes to focus instead on whether a belief that we hold is useful or not rather than get too hung up on whether it's true. Those people, for instance, who believe that things will work out okay, even though they're in a current difficulty, will tend to have a better experience of life than those who tell ourselves that things are going to end up dreadfully. The guy who sits in a traffic jam thinking, well, aren't I lucky because the other route is three times worse than this? shows that it doesn't actually matter whether or not that belief is true. And it wouldn't actually help that person if I were to phone him up from the other route and say, actually, it's really clear here. All that would do was make him more miserable. And so his belief is useful, whether it's true or not. And so my invitation to you, I suppose, is to think of your belief systems not just in terms of truth, and of course knowing whether something is true or false can of course be useful sometimes, but often a better benchmark, especially when we're dealing with the uncertainty of life, a better benchmark is to find a belief that is useful, that allows us to enjoy the experience of life better, that allows us to achieve our objectives better. Now, if I was to make a sales call, for instance, as a salesperson, it might be true, perhaps, who knows, but it might be true that the person on the other end doesn't want me to phone and won't actually like the fact that I've phoned them. But that's not really going to help me to pick up the phone. Much better to be the salesperson who believes a resourceful belief and believes that the person on the end of the phone will be delighted to have the phone ring and pick it up and have this next conversation. And of course, we don't know which one is going to be true and which one is going to be false. And so far better. Much like those people on the hijack plane to pick a belief that is going to help you through to pick a belief that is useful rather than being too focused on whether it's true. 
So if you like this idea, then please feel free to share it on. If you'd like to work with me one-to-one directly, I'm Alan Parry, and you can find out more at liverpoolpsychotherapy.co.uk. And of course, please do subscribe to the podcast. It means you'll never miss an episode again, and they are out daily. And it's completely free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. So other than that, thanks for listening, and I'll be back again tomorrow with another one.